Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. 24 hours ago, you know, uh, Fran Frischella was saying that, hey, no matter, you know, he, he thought that they had done enough to get in. Of course, he's calling Big 12 games, and and maybe he's looking on the positive side. But even even Joe Lenardi, when I woke up this morning, Gideon, he had him as one of the last two teams in. And then within an hour or two, Matt tells me <laughs> now he's got him as the first team out. Uh, but what are your thoughts on what you saw last night, Gideon? Oh, it wasn't too much different than what we've seen all season long, especially after Avery Anderson went out. But uh, with Oklahoma State, if you can get up on them early, uh, you know there's an inevitable six-and-a-half, seven-minute-long drought without them making a shot. And so especially if you're up on them early and that eventually comes throughout the game, you're going to win. And uh, that's kind of what we've seen in almost every Oklahoma State loss. It's also what we've seen in every Oklahoma State win, except they're more competitive early in the game. Maybe they get up by a a significant margin, 9, 10, 11, or something like that. And then when that drought inevitably happens in the game, a team is able to draw closer but not quite scale the mountain. So uh, the one thing that you can say about these Big 12 teams is you look at some of their out-of-conference games, and really when they're not playing each other, uh, they've excelled. The offense looks a lot better and so you wonder hey if you give them a chance in the tournament what does that look like but in terms of you know just just earning an opportunity for Oklahoma State it's going to come down to the committee arbitrarily setting a number whether that's conference record or amount of conference teams to come out of this league that is going to get them in because team versus team I I don't know how that's going to work out for Oklahoma State but if they're like hey this is the best league in the country and they should have you know set number of teams or if you go eight and ten in the league you should be in that's how they're going to get in and Brad it's hard to win when you have what six more turnovers than made field goals well, and it's hard to win when you go 3 of 21 from three-point range, and overall you shoot 20 – I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say 27%. It was actually 269 You're just not going to win like that. Now, in terms of getting in the tournament, I, I still think there's a pretty good chance that OSU could get in because they did have a good record in the Big 12. Um they had eight wins in the Big 12, and the Big 12 is a tough conference. So I, I think it's possible that they still get in. But, I mean, I don't hold out a whole lot of hope unless they can do something drastically different than they've done in the last eight games. How long has it been since we've seen them really play a good game? I mean, they didn't play a good game when they beat Oklahoma. They beat right. them, but Oklahoma just played a worse game than OSU did. Well, and they won in Lubbock. I mean, that was a nice win. I, I know Texas Tech. I'm, I'm not trying to build them up into something that they aren't. But in Lubbock, they were really good. And so, but I, I'm with you, Brad. No, I mean, you lose five in a row. And, and that's the shame of it, Gideon. That's what we were just saying is, is you look at it back, you know, in a couple of weeks ago, they were sitting at, at 16 and 9 midway through the league race, maybe a month or so ago. And they, then they lost 5 8, beat Tech and OU. Now you lose this one, and it was kind of an uh, ugly loss, although Texas is really a good team, guys. Texas and, and is a really te- good team. 
yeah, playing without Timmy Allen, Gideon. I mean, what what do you think of this Texas team, Gideon? Well, I think they're pretty good. I, I, I think on any given day they could probably uh, beat any other team in the league. Um, and in terms of making a run, I think they probably have a little bit more shooting than most of the other teams in this league, too, uh, to where you could put that together along with their toughness and their defense. So, I, I, I mean, would I guarantee that they would make a, an Elite Eight run or something like that? I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I'd, I'd feel pretty confident in them making the second weekend uh, in the tournament. I know everybody would put them in there anyway because it's a two-seed, but that's a lot easier said than done with this tournament. Well, and that's the thing about last night was Hexus won this thing uh, going away without their two best score. I mean, uh, Serge Jabari Rice, now a lot of times he, he's coming off the bench, but like we said with Timmy Allen not starting, he's he's in the starting lineup. But Rice and Carr, you could make a case that that's their two best shooters. And, and they go six for 23 from the field and one for eight from three. So that their two best shooters didn't even shoot the ball well last night. Heck, Texas only shot 37% from the field, and they only made six out of 19 threes. And so it wasn't like they were any offensive machine last night. Uh, but uh, when you hold OSU to 47 points and 21 in the second half, uh, Texas, uh, they, they I, I will give the Cowboys credit. They came back. I mean, they could have been routed in this game, and they did come back to make it respectable at the end. And, guys, we talked earlier. I thought that was pretty cheap on, on Marcus Carr putting up that shot at the buzzer last night. Yep. What was that? After dribbling it down and everyone's walked away, and he shoots it right at the buzzer. I, that was that was pretty weak. I know he was having a terrible shooting night, one for nine, but two for ten doesn't sound a whole lot better than one for nine. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I mean, we're not that far away from Texas being – highly considered a number one seed and i i heard what you and the coach were talking about at the end of the hour last hour i agree with i think both of you guys said this i think if they make a run in this tournament and, and win the big 12 tournament uh i think they very well could elevate back to a number one seed depending on how strongly the uh committee feels about the other number one seeds but i texas is not anybody to sleep on i, I think that sometimes and I'm going to be completely honest. This was the second game in a row, second night in a row that I've checked out because I was just bored with the game, uh, and I found something else that I was more interested in watching. But I think sometimes, especially this time of year, when you know you got something big coming, that you play down to that level of competition. For most of that game, Oklahoma State was playing so poorly, and they were shutting them down to the point that Texas didn't need to score a whole lot. I mean, I think I would like to think that they would be embarrassed by those shooting percentages that you mentioned, but they didn't really need to shoot better than that because Oklahoma State was playing so poorly. And OSU did out-rebound them 45-33. OSU had 15 offensive rebounds, 15-6 to on the offensive glass for OSU, like they always do, right, Gideon? With, with CSA, oh, yeah. this Tyreek Smith, I mean, you could make a case that uh, Caleb Boone w- was the, the only one that showed up last night for the Cowboys. But but if you say two guys showed up, you'd have to throw Tyreek Smith in there. He did have seven rebounds last night, four offensive. I mean, uh, he I think he's played well for him. But but none of their sh- – I mean, when your two best shooters, Gideon, or, or Asbury and Bryce Thompson go five for 20 and one for nine from three, you're just not going to win many games, right? So – no, it's it's what we've seen all year long. You think that those uh, two big guys, the problem is they can't space the floor, uh, so there's no room for them to operate. Also, they have no uh, kind of touch or <laughs> or anything like that to where they can operate away from the 
of the basket. So if there was a semblance of you know some motion offensively uh, or enough guys that you had to pay attention to on the perimeter, uh, then off- obviously the offense would flow a lot better, but that's not the case. And here's the thing. Okay. I mean, assuming that, that Oklahoma State does get in, and I think there's still a really good chance that they could get into the field, the way that this team has played recently, I don't – I mean, I – Obviously, if you can get into the tournament, you want to reward your guys and, and they get a trip to the tournament. But I don't hold out hope that this team is going to surprise anybody once the tournament starts. I don't think they're going to be any different a week from now uh, or a week and a half from now than than they were this week. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, not not finishing strong with the, with the five straight losses. Um, we'll see what happens with the Cowboys, but we do know that TCU will be playing that Texas team uh, tonight, TCU, 80-67 win over K-State. Gideon, how good is this team? I mean, remember, they struggled without Mike Miles. What, they lost four out of those five games that they were without him. So, yeah, yeah their conference record Looks like is 9 Looks like a completely different team when, yeah, uh, when yeah, he was this, out. Yeah, so, I mean, he had 22 last night. O'Bannon had 22. How, how good is this TCU team, Gideon? Uh, they're really, really good when he's on the floor. Uh, like, I, I mean, some of those results were shocking how much of a difference he made between when he was gone and as soon as he was back in the lineup, they started to win again. And so I, I think TCU is right there, kind of in that in that conversation. I, I think there are probably – we saw some interesting results this season uh, in terms of how deep this team was, how competitive, even some of the teams that were – fifth sixth seventh uh, you know could jump up and bite you at, at any given time and even competed well on the road against some of those top teams in, in the league uh, i think tcu is really really good and wherever they end up in the tournament I, I think a lot of people will pick them to make a deep run as well and tcu was favored in that game you know it's tcu traveled a lot further than k-state had to travel k-state's ranked higher than them uh in the overall polls right now and tcu was still favored in that game TCU's a lot better than than I think some people think they are. Yeah, better than their record. It's because they went one and four without Miles. Yeah, exactly mm-hmm. right, Brad. And Kansas uh, State now Kansas State is a team I would keep an eye on the tournament the other way uh, because I don't think they'll let them play those games in Manhattan. Well, they're so up and down. I mean, they are just. It's hard. They're to, like, they're uh, like the Warriors. It's I, I mean, it, it's like they yeah. have some some kind of mental block about playing on the road. <laughs> well, and also Marquise Noel, this guy. I mean, he thinks he's Steph Curry with, with, with where he shoots some of these shots from Gideon. I mean, he, he will put it up from 30 in a heartbeat. And when he's on, it is something to watch, and I am in. But uh, but last night, yet yesterday, he goes one for nine from three, five for 13, and so he can shoot him out of games also. Uh, they went seven for 30 from three, 23% from three. Um, they're a lot better team than what they showed yesterday, but that that's a good point, Gideon, that Maybe maybe they're just more of a force in Manhattan. I do have have more confidence in TCU uh, than 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 K State, and they showed it last night. Eighty sixty seven TCU. Uh, so uh, the other semifinal is Iowa State going up against Kansas. Guys, Gideon, I'll I'll start with you here. I mean, to to beat Baylor three times, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, that that was an important win. For them, uh, we thought at the time that was might have been an important win for Oklahoma State also to make them look a little bit better because of their win uh, against Iowa State. But uh, 
I, I, I like this team. I don't know necessarily about the tournament, and I definitely don't, don't know about today. I, I don't think they're going to win uh, today. Obviously, there's uh, a distraction there with Coach Self not, uh, not on the bench. But Iowa State's kind of been up and down for me. Uh, You have the departure from the team a few games ago, which seems like it provided a little bit of clarity uh, and a lack of distraction for themselves. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I I really like the Jayhawks today. Uh, Cyclones in the tournament might be a tough out, uh, but uh, um, I I don't see them going much further than this. Iowa State looked good yesterday against Baylor. I mean, it's not like that game was was Baylor taking – taking time off and slacking that game went back and forth and it was it was a we had it on and uh where i was yesterday and it was i was able to watch most of the game and it was that was a good game back and forth and they fought hard and iowa state is one of those teams you really don't know from one game to the next what they're going to look like but when they look good they're capable of playing with anybody so i i agree with you i don't think that i think kansas even without bill self on the bench this is sort of how i felt about the game yesterday and we now know that bill's not going to be on the bench for kansas through the big 12 tournament however far kansas goes but i i think kansas still should be able to handle iowa state but iowa state's not a team to sleep on for sure well, and, and they, they ended the year, okay, they, they had beaten Kansas, ironically, by 15 points. And it looked, and, and at that point, they were 7-3 and three in conference, you know, and highly ranked. Well, then, from that point on, they lose six out of seven games. The only victory in that stretch was that they did beat TCU one time, and I think that was TCU without Miles. But, but, but they, they lose six out of seven, so they were finishing kind of like OSU – and then all of a sudden, last Saturday, like Gideon said, after kicking Caleb Grill off the team, they were saying, and, and you know, not a joking matter, they were saying he was dealing, uh, dealing with some mental issues. I don't know what happened there. But anyway, all of a sudden, they beat Baylor by 15 at Baylor in that last game of the regular season last Saturday, and then to turn around and beat them for a third time in the, in the conference tournament opener, that's an impressive bounce back from a team that had lost six out of seven games and looked dead in the water. So, and and they did beat this Kansas team the one time, uh, mm-hmm. like we said, by 15 points at home. And like we said, guys, they had Kansas down big time at Allen Fieldhouse, and then the Jayhawks stormed back and 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 got a two point victory out of it. And so, I don't know. Iowa State, their toughness. I I, I think. They're tough enough to, to give them a game tonight, especially without Bill Self. So we'll see what happens. But what do you think? I don't see it happening. I, I think I think, Kansas, okay. I think Kansas is going to win this game. I don't know what the uh, the line is. Uh, but I, I just think they're playing with uh, – it looks like Kansas is playing with purpose right now uh, and is playing with a lot of composure uh, toward the end of, of the season. Uh, I think this is some of the best basketball that they – uh, they have played throughout the year, not every single game, but uh, uh, just uh, over the grand scheme of things, uh, kind of a rocky road there early on in conference play, and I think they're playing well at the perfect time. I agree Brad, with you, no Gideon. upset tonight? No, okay. I, I, I agree with what Gideon said. I think that Kansas elevated over the course of the season. I think they're playing now like a team that is should be a number one seed like they will be. Uh, because there was a there was a moment there during the season that that kind of came into question. They look like a number one seed now, and they look like a team that's on their way to another Final Four. I mean, I, I, it's possible because this Iowa State team is capable of playing at that level, but I would be really surprised to see Kansas lose today. I, I just think that they're I, I think they're 
head and shoulders above everybody else right now. And they are still playing for a possible number one overall seed. I mean, they do have more quad one wins than any anyone else in, in the country. Um, so that that's but Craig's important. calling oh. for the upset, and that's fine. Craig. Oh, where they're <laughs> going to be played? That's a bold no, no, pick. I'm, I'm but saying, you, I... No, I, I do. I I do kind of have a feeling that there's going to be an upset tonight. But I'm just saying that Kansas is they aren't just mainly. they have still got a lot to play for. I'm going to hold off predicting until next hour when Sam Humphreys comes in because he was the one that locked down Kansas yesterday when the line moved. So I'm going to defer my opinion to, to until I get back up from Sam. All right. And and he, uh, I guess he also liked Texas on that. Uh, but but the point spread didn't come into play on that last shot by Texas. They were they were only favored by what six or six and a half guys in that game, uh, and and they got the last second shot to win by. 14 and, and instead of uh, 12 or whatever it was. Last yeah, night. the thing I'm looking right. at shows Texas by six and a half. Six, oh, you know what? On, on that Texas game, I just I just noticed this. Wait a sec. Was 60 or 61? Because I'm looking on ESPN. On what the I've game got is story. 60. Okay, and I got it 60 on the box score. On, on their game story, on the AP story, they, they got it 61. They must have given him a three on that last shot. I think it was only a two. What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real, because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? <laughs> In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What women binge wherever you listen. Golden State first game and uh, the aftermath of that game last night. But, guys, I'd look at the injuries right now in the West. This is crazy. I mean, you, you got LeBron out with the foot injury, and I'm not saying the Lakers are a threat to win the West or anything, but I think they could still make the play in even without LeBron. I mean, if Anthony Davis plays like he has been. Zion's still out with the hamstring. Durant's out with the ankle now. Luca's out with the thigh injury. John Morant's away from him. You got a lot of moving parts here, guys. Uh, but I want to get your thoughts on the the West as a whole. But also, let's start with the game last night where Memphis just put it on Golden State. And Gideon, one of the big debates that we've had recently is Mark says Golden State's just going to flip the switch. He says mm-hmm. they're the team to beat. He puts them number one. Uh, is the team to beat in the West. Uh, but then Memphis puts it on them by 31, and I'm looking at this team and going, I just, I'm not seeing it right now with Golden State Gideon. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, you almost have to trick yourself into thinking that uh, when they play on the road, that this is San Antonio. This is Houston. <laughs> I, that That's how bad they are. It, it's, it's like the guys in the jersey don't matter. It doesn't really matter what they do. 
that's how poorly they perform on the road defensively. Uh, they're right up there with those teams as well. They need to get Andrew Wiggins back. Hopefully everything is okay with him, but he's one of the guys who at least try to stay in front of someone. Um, in terms of Mark's comments on the playoffs, look, if they, it would worry me that they're the road team in a seven-game series, but let's say, you know, Curry and Thompson shoot the lights out and they've got some other contributions. You know, they, they score a game two win on the road, and then all of a sudden they kind of have control of the series. The other part of that argument is, are they good enough to defend to win every game that they play at home? And I just don't know that. I, I think they've been outscoring some teams at home just based on momentum, uh, comfort, and and things like that. So I, I, I have always been a believer in Golden State this season, even when they were sub-500, even when they were beneath the play in line. I would say, don't worry, they're going to be back, they're going to be back. But they need Wiggins on the floor, and uh, they need to win like two games on the road before the season ends just to have some confidence. The other thing is, these are the first two of a, a series of seven out of nine games on the road. They might need to win a couple of games on the road to get in the playoffs, to get in the top six, or to be where they don't have to fight their way to get in. Imagine if they have to play, uh, you know, in the 8-9 game uh, and, and have to go on the road for that one. I don't know if I like their chances. It's weird that a team as pedigreed as they are, because, I mean, there's nobody else. There's really nobody else even in the, in the association that matches up with them in terms of experience. They've got dynamic playmakers. But you're right. They're not playing very good defense, and they're just garbage on the road. I mean, there's no explanation for why they can win at home, but they can't go on the road and win anything more than they're winning. I will say this, though. Because of what the things that I just said, the experience, the playmakers that they've got, if if they get a couple of breaks, and this is assuming they make it into the play-in, um, they're not a team to, to, to look past because they obviously have the experience and the know-how to do it. And those injury situations with other teams also lines up in their favor if they can stay healthy. I've never seen a team win a championship with a road record that bad. I can't remember one. Maybe you guys can come up with one. Well, I'll tell you this. I was watching ESPN this morning, and the the trivia question was, when was the last team, and I can't remember if it was the top two or the top three, but it was when was the last time a team outside of either the top three or the two or the top three seeds went to the Western Conference Finals? And do you know who it was? No. It was Dallas. Uh, the Mavericks were the last oh, time. Oh, with, last year. Went, went to the Western Finals outside of the top two or three seeds, you're saying? Exactly. Yeah, last yes. year. They yeah. were a four seed. Yeah, I got you. Well, well, listen, I mean, no, that you can make a case for any of, like, six different teams right now, maybe more than that. Uh, but but before we get away from Golden State, Memphis, i got to get your thoughts on Draymond versus Dylan Brooks and – Last night, Dylan Brooks tries to bait him into a technical foul because Draymond has 15 and number 16 would give him a one-game suspension. Draymond says, I get technical fouls when I want to get technical fouls. I don't get baited <laughs> into technical fouls, you know. And uh, and then they had uh, Draymond had the little debate on, he, he says, you know, Memphis, they, they, they think that, that we have a rivalry here. And Draymond says, to have a rivalry, you've got to have one team win and then the other team has to win. That's what creates the rivalry, and he says, clearly, we've won four times. I think their organization has zero championships, so I can't consider that a rivalry. Um, and, and then 
they get into the uh, the Draymond podcast where what do you call him, uh, guys? He, he an idiot and a clown or whatever. Right. And so they were getting uh, Dylan Brooks' side of all of that, and Dylan Brooks says, "Me, I try to score. I try to figure out plays." The ironic thing is Draymond outscored him last night. So even though Memphis won the game big last night, I thought Draymond got the better of the post-game debate. Uh, where do you guys stand on that, there, Gideon? There, there was one uh, punch landed by Dylan because Draymond Green uh, in his podcast uh, said that uh, Dylan Brooks' teammates don't even like him. And Dylan, after the game, said, I'm not out there getting into physical altercations with my teammates, <laughs> yeah, uh, alluding that, to right. you know, Draymond right. Green punching yeah. Jordan. That was so, a knockdown. So, so he, he yeah. He la- yeah, he landed one <laughs> against Draymond. But for the most part, the, the thing that emerges from all of this is – you know, Golden State just being in, in disarray in the standings and if they can win enough games to keep their head above water. Uh, and, and for Memphis, that's an important win for them. Uh, they were the 96 Bulls without Ja a couple of seasons ago. They couldn't lose without him, but uh, obviously they were kind of scuffling and they, they'd rather be two than three right now. Uh, so that, that was a nice win for them. Brad, what, what what are your thoughts on the Draymond Dylan Brooks? Well, the two the stuff? two most unlikable guys in the NBA going at it, and <laughs> and oddly enough, I I find Dylan Brooks to be the most hateable guy in the NBA, and I take Draymond's side in this. I mean, even the even the punch that was, I'm out there trying to score. Draymond doesn't. Draymond doesn't need to score. He's got scorers on the team. That's what I think makes him the secret sauce of that team is what he does besides scoring, and I think he's every bit as important as any other piece on that Golden State team, which is why I want them to do better this year because if for some reason at some point they do get split up, I don't know that uh, – I, I mean, those Steph and Clay will still be hitting long shots, but I don't know that, that they will be as deadly as they are when they've got Draymond on the floor doing what he does. But I don't really like either one of those guys. And so if, I, if I'm picking a side, <laughs> I dislike Dylan Brooks more than Draymond, so I'm going to take Draymond's side, but I don't feel good about it. Yeah, no, I yeah but one of, the, one of the problems with Dylan is he's trying to score. I, I think maybe that's one of the reasons why his teammates don't like him very much. <laughs> Stacking Benjamins with Joe and his good friend OG not only has great financial insight, it's laid back with humor too. The quiet luxury trend is out and loud budgeting is in. Are we tired of the pet names? Yeah, because I'm loud and obnoxious, so this fits right in with me. I'm like, yes, finally budgeting for me. <laughs> I get to walk into a restaurant and go, I'm cheap as hell, and you're not getting a tip. Live from Doug's Budget. <laughs> Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. Players Championship, uh, Chad Ramey, the overnight leader uh, out of Mississippi State. He's eight, eight under par. He'll tee off this afternoon. Morikawa shot seven under yesterday. Tees off later. Uh, the two big stories this morning, one of them, uh, Gideon, and you were bringing me up to date during the break on our man, Victor Hovland, who had yeah. it to eight under, was actually tied for the lead after he went what um, five under in his first 11 holes today but then victor down the stretch and he played the back nine first so uh front nine his second nine uh this morning and he had a double at four bogeyed five bogeyed eight only part the par five ninth so he goes four over on his last six holes to fall to four under par he's still tied for six right now but he ends up only shooting one under in a round where he had it to five under 
And then the other interesting story, guys, and another guy who fell back, Ben Griffin, who played his his college golf at North Carolina. And Ben Griffin, he also had it to uh, eight under par for the golf tournament. He doubled number 18 his final hole today. But, Gideon, we were talking off the air. This Ben Griffin is one of the more interesting stories I've seen because he stepped away from the game back in the spring and summer of 2021. That's just two years ago. He stepped away from the game of golf, and he, he was working as a loan officer for a mortgage group in North Carolina. From he had loans to leaderboard. Experience. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, to go from working with some mortgage company and two years later you're tied for the lead and the players or whatever, I mean, that's – that's, and, and, and also, his great-granddad was a roommate of Babe Ruth for the old oh, Yankees, wow. his, his great-granddad. Yep. That's that, a pretty good story. That I didn't Griffin. know. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Uh, but anyway, we'll keep you updated on the players uh, throughout the day. All right, I wanted to finish up on the NBA, though, guys, because we were talking off the air. The West is just you could make a case for so many teams. I know Gideon's in love with the Clippers, right, Gideon? No, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, but seriously, with Durant's injury, we talked about all the injuries. Um, but the Sacramento Kings, Gideon, another team I want to talk about. They beat the Knicks last night. The Knicks have been red hot. They've cooled mm-hmm. a little bit the last few games. And the Knicks are another story like, like Barrett and Randall. If if those are your two best guys, which I know I don't, I don't consider them their two best players because Brunson is easily one of their two best players. R.J. Barrett I just don't trust. But I'm just saying Barrett and Randall go 17 for 45 last night and three for 20 from three, three for 20. From that's that's one. Those are OSU numbers. Yeah, I don't trust the Knicks that much. But on the Sacramento Kings, so the Kings win it last night, 122 to 117. Gideon, where are you on the Sacramento Kings? Because all of a sudden, they've gone from, well, that's a nice story this year, and, yeah, they're a playoff team, and then they're number three, and then they're number two or whatever. Right now, they're 39 and 26, Gideon. Where are you on the Kings? Yeah, look, I mean, in terms of my favorite teams to watch in the NBA, uh, there aren't too many teams that are higher, maybe none higher uh, than Sacramento. In terms of playoff performance, I mean – 122, 117, 128, 127, 123, 117, 176, 175, 133, 128. All of those are wins. There's just way too many of those. And part of that shows that, hey, in critical moments, in close games, this team can score, uh, and that can put them over the top. Uh, But over the course of a series where teams can game plan for specific things that you do, I I just don't know, Craig. Um, I think it's really going to depend on the matchup that they get in the first round as to whether or not they advance in the playoffs. I hope they do because I think the atmosphere in Sacramento is going to be electrifying. Uh, I I like that the team is, um, you know, kind of bought in and finally there's there's some excitement around there. But, uh, gosh, they have won a bunch of those types of games this year, and it it makes me very, very nervous uh, for postseason. Brad, who I think do you they're like the, in the West right now. I think they're the new. I, well, I want to talk about Sacramento for a okay, second. I, right. I think they're the new Denver Nuggets, uh, and the Nuggets still have to prove that they can take that next step. But the Nuggets have been a team that have been good, that have had some good playmakers, but they just can't get it done in the playoffs. And I think Sacramento is going to have to prove themselves. But I will say this: they got a lot of playmakers. De'Aaron Fox just went off last night. He was everywhere. 
Um, they've got guys that if somebody is is down on a night, guys can step in and and make big plays. Now, does that translate to winning in the playoffs? I don't know, but I I, th- I still think that they are a team. Uh, and the the as Gideon was saying, the atmosphere in Sacramento is going to be outstanding. I'm going to say, Craig, in terms of who I like in the West, I still I, I think that Golden State could turn the corner if they can get into the playoffs. Everybody's healthy. Wiggins comes back. I think they're a team you got to watch out for. Um, if KD gets healthy, I think Phoenix is going to be really, really dangerous. But I think Denver, so far this season, has proven what they hadn't proven in the past. Now, I, that's putting a lot of credit to Jokic that he's going to be able to step up in the playoffs in a way that – that uh, is meaningful, and but I do like the the fact Jamal Murray has been healthy this year. He's been contributing. There's a reason they're the number one seed, and they're not going to fall out of that number one seed spot. So I, I'm still kind of high on them. I, I know that's a that's a meaningless answer when I tell you the top two teams in the conference are the ones that I'm watching. I don't <laughs> pick one or the other, but I, I think either one of those teams could could uh, prove that they deserve to be where they are. It's going to be fascinating. I mean, Denver's been up there also, and Denver's got the six-and-a-half game lead. By the way, Sacramento and Memphis right now tied for second, and then Phoenix in the number four spot right now. Right now you got the Clippers five, Golden State six, Minnesota seven, Dallas eight, the Lakers nine, New Orleans ten. It, it, the West is just going to be crazy over the next month. Get an inside look at Hollywood with Michael Rosenbaum. Let's get inside of my buddy, Kumal Nanjiani. When you talk about Eternals and it wasn't the response that you were hoping, how did that affect you? Marvel thought that we'd be going on a wave of raves, you know, and it wasn't true. The reviews were really bad. And you were aware of it while you were on tour? Yeah, I was too aware of it. And so very intentionally, I did start counseling. Emily says that I do have trauma from it. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen.